As you're seated, grab your Bible. Turn to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. We're uh, continuing our sermon series, The Cradle, The Cross, and The Crown. And uh, today, we're just going to jump in and uh, get right to the message, the, the hope that we have and the, 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 the truth of Christmas. As a matter of fact, the Christmas story is not primarily, as, as oftentimes it seems to be made of, is not primarily the story about the birth of a baby who would grow up and become a great moral teacher or a great example, but rather the truth uh, or, or the, the, the Christmas story is revolved in or wraps around and everything is built upon the death of this. Uh, this one, this child, this child born of a virgin, this child born in a manger or laid in a manger, the child that would be worshiped by the wise men, the child that would be pursued by the shepherds. Matter of fact, the true meaning of Christmas cannot be separated from the true reason that Jesus came. As a matter of fact, in the first place, that's the whole point. It, it cannot be separated from the cross. Anyone who tries to separate the birth of Jesus apart from the cross misses out on the greatest message ever told. As a matter of fact, that's one of the things we build our life upon. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. We're going to be starting in verse 18. We're going to read through verse 23 just to kind of unpack and dig a little bit deeper. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together... She was found to be with child through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. It says in verse 20, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And then verse 21, which is where we're going to spend our day today, I want to focus on this. It says, she will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. And then it says, because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, as we jump into this, as we think about this, as we talk about and think about the primary or the the primacy of of Jesus' birth, we also got to begin to think about Jesus' death. And so the true meaning of Christmas cannot be separated from the true reason Jesus came in the first place, which is the cross. And so as we dig in, as we think about this, I want you to think about the reality. This Christmas season, I want to remind you of the goodness and grace of God. You may be overwhelmed by what has happened. As a matter of fact, for the last months, we, the last nine months, you're probably sick and tired of hearing me say this, but over the last nine months, many people have been overwhelmed, overburdened, overcome by everything that has gone on. You may be worried about what is taking place in the community, what is play, taking place in our nation, what is taking place around the world, what is taking place in our church and in the lives of the people around you. But let me Be clear in this, that you and I may be overwhelmed or burdened by that, but Jesus is not overwhelmed by it. Jesus is not burdened by it because his burden was laid there, laid bare at the cross. 
that Jesus in the midst of his worry, and then I say that cautiously because he didn't worry, in the midst of his love and compassion and grace for us is not overwhelmed or overburdened by what's going on. As a matter of fact, the Bible's very clear. It says that Jesus will build his what? Church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. So in the midst of everything that has gone on over the last nine months, Satan has thrown every shot, every right hook, every uppercut he could at the church. And listen to me, I believe wholeheartedly the church has dealt with these things, but we are to endure hardship. We are to move forward. And so maybe, listen, maybe you're looking at what is ahead and you're thinking that there's, there's no way out. It's, it's a problem that's in front of us, that I face a difficult deal. Brian, if you only knew what was going on, maybe you are overwhelmed. Maybe you have become burdened by what's going on. Listen to me, and I want you to understand this, that God is not overcome, that God is not anxious, God is not worried As a matter of fact, God is actively working in our current season. God is building his church. God is the one who is seeing things through. And today, I believe, is a reminder of God's powerful work on the cross. Because listen to what again it says. It says that the angel said to her, he shall save his people from their sins. So remember this, that when we think about Christmas, oftentimes we're focused on this birth of Jesus, the birth of our Savior. While that is important, listen to me, the primary message, the primary Christmas message in everything is gonna be built upon the fact that Jesus came for a reason. You know, when I was growing up, my mom would always do the bulletin board for my dad's Sunday school room, and then we would decorate. And she always had on our window, she had cut out letters. This is going to be old school. You remember the old stencil letters? You'd trace them out on, on like construction paper and then cut them out by hand. I remember sitting down in our living room by the fire, helping my mom sometimes cut these things out. And always on our front window and in the, in the bulletin board in my dad's Sunday school classroom was this, Jesus is the reason for the... Season. And we talk about this over and over and over again. The truth of the matter remains this that I don't care what you get as far as a gift, I don't care who you're around this Christmas. That if Christmas is void of Jesus' death, yes, we celebrate his birth because it is the coming of our Savior, but if Christmas is void of Jesus' death, you miss the reason for the season. Because the simple fact remains that Jesus' death on the cross was the very reason he came in the first place. God saw fit because he loved us so much to send his son. And that the birth is just the beginning of the end of sin and death defeated by Jesus on the cross. So Jesus said in John chapter 18, verse 37, to this end, I was born. In other words, the reason I was born was for this very purpose. And so as we talk about this, last week we looked at the importance of the cradle, the manger, this idea that Jesus was born unlike anyone else. But now we're gonna look at this idea of the cross, the message of the cross and what the cross communicates because the primary message of Christmas is Jesus Christ and by his death and resurrection that he can, listen, transform not just individuals, but communities and society that when we acknowledge our need for Jesus because of our sins, because of our imperfections, because of all the flaws that we have, that when we acknowledge our need for the Savior, for Jesus, that we can, 
be resurrected, that cities, that, that cities and individuals, that towns and societies can be completely changed. So what is the message today based upon the scripture here in Matthew chapter one? That's just the big thing. I want you to remember this. This is the big statement. If you remember anything, remember this. Jesus Christ came to save people from their sins. Simple. Profound, easy, nothing elaborate, nothing crazy. Well, to a certain extent, everything crazy. But that's the simple thing, that when Jesus was born of the virgin, when Jesus was born in a manger, when Jesus was born, that there was this supernatural birth as a result of the Holy Spirit touching Mary. Listen to me, it's not based upon some cultic teachings, this idea that, that we have a, a, a Jesus that was born and he's the brother of Satan. It's not based upon any of those things, that Jesus was born of a virgin so that the sin line would not transfer through the DNA, through the active use of sexuality and things like that, but the message is this, that the, the message that Jesus Christ came to save his people from their sins. So I want you to see three things today. Number one is the point of his name, the message of his name. As we look at this, listen to what he says. She will give birth to a son, verse 21, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Now, what's in a name? Everything. Matter of fact, if you've named your kids, you would understand the importance of a name. I remember as we were trying to name our kids, I would throw out a name and my wife would be like, no, I don't like that name. Why not? Well, usually it had something to do with this. Well, I knew somebody who had that name and I really wasn't a fan of that person. They were disrespectful. I didn't like them. We didn't get along. Anybody ever been there? You know, I'm talking about the power of the name and what goes on. You know the power of a name. Well, Jesus' name means everything. Matter of fact, Jesus was actually a fairly common name back in those times. Matter of fact, we get the word Jesus from Yeshua, which is also short for Joshua. But I want you to understand there's a lot of things that goes on with that. Yah or, or Yeshua would actually be short for Yahweh, and Hosea is actually the shortened verb of salvation or shortened word for salvation. So when it says it, it's the idea that Jehovah or Yahweh saves. And so you had Joshua, Jesus, and, and fairly common names. And it's not necessarily just the name that is evident because it's all about the work of what Jesus did. So while his name means something, his name is not the only reason why that he has the very standing that he has. As a matter of fact, Philippians chapter 2 says this, chapter 2, verse 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So he's laying this out, that God saves, that Yahweh saves, and that the name of Jesus, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. So that's the point. The idea, the point of his name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess at some point in time or another. You can choose to confess it here on earth now and confess the name of Jesus, acknowledging your sin, and you can confess your sins and you can call on the name of the Lord and be saved, or you can wait till eternity when you stand before God the Father and you are judged for the actions of your life here on earth and you are going to profess it at that point, but at that point it's too late. 
Matter of fact, Acts chapter four, verse 12 says this, salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So the point of his name brings great value. There is great hope. There is great future in the point of Jesus. The point of his name was that we would have salvation through the name of Jesus, salvation through the work of Jesus and his work on the cross. Romans chapter 10, verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So it's important for us to understand in this idea of the cradle and the cross and the crown is that the name of Jesus bears great weight. That is the name of Jesus that is backed up by the work of Jesus that gives us the very answer for all of life's daunting problems. See, the power of Jesus is not in his name, but rather the work of Jesus. That his name has great value and great purpose and great meaning because of the work that he did, being born of a virgin, living a life where he was tempted and tried in every way, yet there was no sin, dying on the cross for the sins of humanity, rising again. The name of Jesus carries great weight and great power because of the work of Jesus. The only power is the power of God at work in and in, in display of his life on the cross, in the tomb, and the resurrection. So listen, Jesus came to save people for them sin, from their sins. What's the power of his message? What's the point of his message? The point of the message and the point of his name carries great weight. That Jesus' name is the name above every name, not just because it's a name, but because of his work on the cross. And that brings me to point number two. When we talk about the point of his name, number two is we talk about the power of his work. Listen to what he says again in verse 21. The angel says to her, she will give birth to a son, or sorry, this angel is talking to Joseph, and he's talking about Mary. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus, which is what we just talked about. Why? Because he will what? Save his people. So there is the power of his work. You and I must understand the meaning of the word save. It's a radical word. As a matter of fact, it carries with it this idea that you save somebody from what? A problem, a predicament. You don't save someone who needs a little help. You save someone who is unable to do anything to save themselves. A car is on fire. You run to the scene. You, maybe you put out the fire. You pull a person who wasn't able to pull themselves out. A person who is lost at sea needs saving. A person who is lost in the mountains needs to be saved. They need to be led to safety. A person who has stopped breathing needs to be saved. It carries the same weight that Jesus' death was keeping in God's eternal plan to save the people who need saved. Why do they need saved? because you and I couldn't do it on our own. The power of Jesus or the power of the work of Jesus on the cross is the very thing that we needed. As a matter of fact, Psalm 130, I'm gonna flip over there and just read it to you. Psalm 130 verse eight says this. It says, he himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. 
So it carries this weight that a person who is lost or who needs redeemed, who needs saved, is saved from the sins. And he's talking about Israel. So Jesus' death was in keeping with God's eternal plan. But listen, more than just being a great teacher, more than being an enlightened man or a worker of miracles, more than a source of means of life, more than a self-help guru or an Oprah or Dr. Phil, more than self-esteem builder, he was more than a political liberal, more than a caring friend. He's more than a transformer of cultures. All of those things play and go together hand in hand. The Bible teaches that the only cure, the only cure, the only power, the only problem or the only cure for the sin is the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. So when we talk about the cross, the cross is the central point of everything, including the Christmas story. You know, as a matter of fact, I was talking with my wife. We love, I love to do Christmas lights. I'm not one of those guys who gets in and gets to program every single little thing and you're, you're not gonna pull up to our house and it's gonna be some music and all that stuff. I've, I've thought about it and then I thought, man, I don't have time to do that, <laughs> all right? But I love Christmas lights. And so I said something to her the other day about, man, it'd be kind of cool to do the nativity, have the nativity out in front of our house. But then as I was prepping this sermon, I was like, man, maybe I don't do the nativity. Maybe we do a big, huge cross. Light that sucker up so everybody can see it. Why? Because the central message of the Christmas story is the cross. That Jesus, even though he was born the way he was born, born of a virgin, born through supernatural experience because of the power of the Holy Spirit, all of that came for one reason and one reason only to fulfill God's work on the cross so that you and I wouldn't have to pay what is required to pay because we couldn't pay it. Our blood is not good enough, but the power of the work of his work on the cross is of great significance. Why? Because the cross, listen, carries with it all the ugliness, the brutality, the destruction and death. And yet at the same time, Listen, it carries the greatest hope, the message of Advent, which is hope, peace, love, and joy. If you think about that, the cross carries the message of hope. Why is it the message of hope? Because it's hope for those who are hopeless, who think, I can't do it. I can't accomplish it. You're right, you can't accomplish it, but Jesus accomplishes it for us. So there's great hope with that. There is peace. Why? Because now we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. There is love because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish. There is joy. Why? Because our joy is wrapped up in Jesus rather than circumstances and everything around us. And so there is great joy. And so in the midst of a time where right now it feels like joy is absent from a lot of people's lives, that you and I can celebrate with great joy because Jesus is our joy. And I just wanna encourage you with this. This is all wrapped up in the power of his work. Revelation, listen, Revelation chapter five, verse nine says this. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals. Why? Because you were slain and with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. Do you see the beauty of that? Jesus' death on the cross buys us or purchases us. The power of his work is that what he does 
because he pays the price that you and I couldn't pay. Revelation chapter seven, verse nine and 10. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and unto the lamb. The power of the work of Jesus is the very thing that you and I need and is the very thing that brings us hope, peace, love, and joy. In the midst of everything that has gone on in our society, I hope and pray that today, that over this Christmas season, you begin to wrap that around. You begin to wrap your mind around that to understand all that God wants to do in and through his people. Why? Because the power of the work on the cross is the very thing that we all need. Listen again what he says. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save, listen, his people from their sins. What is the central theme or the primary focus of the Christ on the cross? Or what is the primary focus of Christmas? It's Christ on the cross. It is the cross, the primary thing. A matter of fact, we were just talking about and we, we're gonna jump in here in just a little bit. We're gonna do the Lord's Supper. But I want you to think about this just in a simple way. That Jesus shed blood on the cross was the very thing you and I needed. And so when we celebrate Christmas, yes, we celebrate the coming of our Savior, being born of a virgin, being born of a virgin, being born and, and placed in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. We see that. We see the message of the shepherds. We see the good news of great joy for all people. We hear all of that. We see about the wise men and things like that. But I want you to understand this, that when we take part in it, it's all about the cross. And as a result of the cross, the resurrection of Jesus. And number three, what is the message? We talked about the point of his name. We talked about the power of his work. But I want you to see this, his passion for his people. His passion for his people. Listen to what it says again. Because he will save his people from their sins. The cross and the resurrection stand today as humanity's only hope. Not a vaccine. Now listen to me. That in no way, shape, or form is telling you not to get a vaccine. All right? Not going down that road. But I think it's funny how a lot of people are looking at this vaccine as the hope of the world. Especially a vaccine that's only 90% effective in a pandemic where 99% of people live. Take that how you want to take it. When our hope is wrapped up in a vaccine, we've got problems. And again, I'm not telling you not to take a vaccine. But let's play math here. Your odds of getting to heaven without Jesus, zero. Your odds of living through a pandemic with or without a vaccine, 99%. Last I checked, your odds are written against you, aren't they? So let's be realistic here. Jesus' passion for his people and for the people of the world was this, that God sent his son so that you and I would not have to pay for the very things that you and I can't pay for. Yours and mine. My sins, your sins. We can't do it. And so the cross and the resurrection today stand as humanity's only 
hope. The cross was God's way of saying, I love you so much, I gave my son. That God loved us so much. Matter of fact, if you were to go back to Psalm chapter 130, verse eight, he says, he himself will redeem Israel from all our sins. So it lays that out for the Israelite people, the people of the nation of Israel. But listen to Romans chapter nine, verse six. It is not as though God's word had failed, for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. He says this in verse eight. In other words, it's not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but it's the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. So listen, here's the beauty of this text, the beauty of this idea when he says he will save his people, that his people are not just Hebrew Israelites, Jewish people, but his people are any people who believe in the covenant that was set up through Abraham's father, that father Abraham had many sons, that those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ are heirs or co-heirs with Christ, that we are part of God's family. And so listen, when he says he will save his people, his people are the people who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the shed blood of Jesus on the cross, that when you believe that Jesus died on the cross and you confess it with your mouth and you believe in your heart, then it says you will be saved. Listen, that's great passion. And what we see in the midst of this story is his passion for his people. God loved us so much that he sent his son for everybody. But listen, the only ones who are going to be saved are those who believe and confess. Why? Because at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord at one point in time or another. You can do it now and reap the reward of eternity or you can do it later. And standing before God, you can confess your sins but without Jesus, you have no hope. Matter of fact, Luke chapter 19, verse 10 says this, Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. See, the people are those whom the Father has given to the Son. They're sinners. All of us are sinners. The central message of Christmas has always been based upon the cross. And so here's what we're gonna do today. This is in a very simple way, is to remember the sacrificial Death of Jesus on the cross. So as you came in, you uh, hopefully received or took one of the cups. And I'm gonna do this very carefully. I'm gonna encourage you to do it. We're gonna jump to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I'm gonna have the band come up and play just as we do this. But as we, as we do this, I wanna encourage you with great hope, with great expectation that we know that Jesus' death on the cross was not, was not for naught was not just to please some people or to please God and and not call us to something. It was to call us to something greater. And so as you open this, as you take part in this, we're gonna turn to 1 Corinthians 13. We're gonna have it up on on the scripture or up on the, the TV here for you to read. Maybe you're joining us at home and we're gonna do the Lord's Supper, but I wanna remind you of the truth and the promise that we do this. This is just in remembrance. There's nothing magical about this. This does not literally become Jesus' body, all right? This does not literally become his blood. But I do want to remind you of this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 13, 
or 11. Good grief. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 23. That's where I'm getting confused. But I want you to see this part before we jump into that. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 28, it says this. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. And here's the reason why. Because a person who is not a believer, have never put your faith and trust in Jesus, you would drink a cursing upon yourself if you don't, if you take part in this and you don't truly believe. But listen, if you've confessed your sins, matter of fact, the Bible says when you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of any and all unrighteousness. That I can go to the Father through the Son and I can confess my sins and he will forgive me. And so when I take this, I am doing this to remember Jesus' broken body for me. As a matter of fact, it says in verse 23, for I received, for the message I received from the Lord is what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So as we do this, you're doing this to remember the broken body of Jesus on the cross for your sins and mine. Do this in remembrance of him. And listen, the same way, after supper, it says he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And here's what I want to encourage you as we just close out with this. We're going to close with a song. I want you to think about the power of these words, the majesty of Jesus, and remember this, that Jesus' name does mean that God saves, that Yahweh saves. And how he saved was through his power, the power of his work on the cross. And listen, he did it because of his passion for his people, for you and I.